0: You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today
2: at purdueglobal.edu. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a partnership between Shondaland Audio and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Bridgerton, the official podcast, your exclusive peek behind the curtain of Shondaland's Bridgerton series. And before we meet our guests this week, here's a brief recap of episode 205, An Unthinkable Fate. Edwina and Antony are engaged, and Kate suffers through a torturous wedding prep awaiting the arrival of Lord and Lady Sheffield. Then, during a tumultuous dinner, Edwina learns the truth about Kate's plans to marry her off. Joining host Gabrielle Collins this week are Simone Ashley, who plays Kate Sharma, and Tom Verica, director and head of creative production at Shondaland.
3: Hi, Simone. Welcome to Bridgerton, the official
4: podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be chatting with you.
3: Oh, we're really excited to be chatting with you. There's so much to cover. I have so many thoughts and emotions and... All of the above about the character that you played and your performance. But first, like, what have you been up to? What's what's new? What's new in Simone's world?
4: Lots is new. I feel like every week at the moment, there's something new. We've been doing press for the show, which has been really exciting. We did this really cool fan event. And I got to see Nicola and Golda and Teresa on Zoom. Um, and- oh! Yeah, it was kind of the first time I did a bit of press with them, which was really exciting to kind of see the boss women doing their thing. Um, Nice. Yeah. Um, And just what else is new? I guess I'm just um, reading a lot of scripts at the moment, um, taking a few meetings, which is really exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. Just um, a few things bubbling in the background.
3: Tom Verica, director, actor. And Head of Creative Production at Shondaland, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Well, I'm honored and uh, I love talking about the show and everything about it and how we do it. So uh, you made it very easy uh, first season. So hopefully this will go, uh, if not a little bit better.
3: (laughs) When I spoke with you last season, I was able to see and understand more about the decision making and Shondaland and just kick off with, you know, talking about... How did you feel about the backstories? I mean...
5: Oh, I loved it. I, I I, I think, and they, I felt these two episodes in particular, and I felt very lucky that there was quite a bit of shifting, you know, that the table was basically set coming into these things. Uh, and, and these were uh, both in their own ways, very juicy um, turns in characters, in stories, and... Uh, and, and finally, kind of the revelation of, of the public awareness of what was going down with the wedding at the end of six. Yeah. So it was more internal. It was definitely more the family implosion that happens in, in five at the dinner table and, uh, and and much gets revealed there and really kind of lays out how is this going to feed into the ceremony that's been planned that people are gearing up for and, and how is that going to play out? So it's ratcheting up that tension that ultimately kind of uh, – reveals itself and, and comes out in a very public way. And, and then the, the fallout from that.
3: It kind of like implodes at the dinner table and leading up to it. And then there are also moments where I, I um, early on in the in the season, I see the foreshadowing of like, okay, the queen is throwing some shade at Mary Sharma. You know what? What are we going to get into here? And for those who have not read the book and who have read the book, like it's it's not exactly what Julia wrote. It's it's very different. Yes,
5: it is. Yeah. Very different. So, um, well, the queen element, the queen element, really brings in another aspect that was not in the books, uh, but amplifies it in a way. And, and these characters in a story that you know that embrace all those elements uh, but and once you know the the true fans of the book realize uh, that this this medium uh, offers a, a nice kind of refreshing way to to bring that out it does change certain things but the, those core elements of the books and what Julia had written are there and the characters are are, are well defined as she has laid them out.
3: We had the privilege of speaking with um, director Alex Pillai Mm -hmm. and he spoke quite a bit about your heritage and bringing that to the table. Did you feel at any point that you were able to, to like infuse your character with some of that backstory again and like authenticity and having, sharing that with you and Sharitha actually, what do you have to say about that? I think it's amazing.
4: It is amazing. There are many scenes in this show that I watch and I'm like, wow, you've never really seen a moment like that on television, let alone in a period drama. It felt very normal and liberating. And I think that's what was so powerful on that set was how normal it felt mm-hmm. and how much fun it felt. I, I Actually, going back to the tea scene, because Kate kind of has her little sachet of cardamom and cloves and she picks out the the spices and puts it in the tea strainer and I remember doing that scene with Alex and he was very sweet like you could tell it was a moment that made him very proud he was very very into it and I remember him kneeling with me and we were kind of like discussing the tea and all of that and like fine He, he was very like he wanted it to be as authentic as possible and wanted the right spices and all of these things so yeah I mean I guess it's just really heartwarming it's just really nice for it to to be normal and i i grew up between london and california so i was you know i was always i was quite westernized i guess and i it's talking but i, I always i remember when i was a kid like growing up listening to different songs or things that my mum would tell me and for the first time ever i had someone that i could share all that with and that was For just even just like you know passing comments and it'd be like oh my god i know what you mean or i know what that means or I've heard that too, or I know what that word means. And it was incredible um, to be doing that at work with someone. So-
3: That's really nice.
4: The shows really brought people together. I remember um, filming um, the Sheffield dinner scene. I think it was Johnny mentioned something, um, something to do with Indian culture. And then there was a moment where um, Charithra started singing a song or something in Tamil. And everyone was kind of like, and it was, with, it was with other people as well. And it was like really fun and joyous. And everyone was kind of just watching them on set. And I turned to Johnny and I was like laughing. Cause I was just so like, can't believe this is happening right now. And he like, and, like giddy. Yeah. And me, me and Johnny <laughs> laugh all the time, but I was just kind of like, this has made my day. Yeah. Those are the things that make it
3: all worthwhile, you know, Yeah, that's really, really special. I think so. What about the Sharmas speaks to the larger goal if there is one of the season? For instance, I listened to an interview with Sharithra, and she said that the Sharmas in her perspective were kind of like the audiences who are watching Bridgerton. They're just kind of being introduced to this world again. They're just kind of being plopped in and having to find their way, their place. What did you want to bring out about their backstory? What and what excited you about playing with this new group of characters this season?
5: Well, that's exactly it is, is the the new family that moves to town, which is kind of a universal story and how they adapt and adjust and what their motivation is, the pressures of adapting to uh, this society and what, what that holds, the judgments, the growing pains, what their mission is and what their desire is to marry off. At and as we learn later, uh, Kate has a has made kind of a deal in order to gain family fortune in doing this that she has not shared with other family members. So that's not unlike certain families that that withhold certain things uh, <laughs> that come back to blow up in their face. But it was really the um, taking that journey into a world that we already know, but really through fresh eyes uh, and through the prism of how they jump into this being a, a, a new family from another country of dealing with society. And, and we very quickly are, are falling into the usual marriage, Martin, how that how that usually goes. And, and some new people step onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of creates this, this little explosion uh, that has a ripple effect. To the viewers taking this journey with them, uh, as even though the viewer may have some idea about how these things go, or where they end up, it, it's quite a different situation than than season 1s. That's part of the exciting part of that journey.
3: Yeah, for me personally as a viewer, it really amped up the the drama. Yeah. The first season I'm like, okay, there's there's drama in getting caught outside in the courtyard with someone's hand up your skirt, but <laughs> this was like family drama. This was on another like Oh, this is yeah. very relatable. Sister, you know, yeah. very tight
5: sisters, a mother who's who's you know, going through her own issues, trying to do better for her daughters, and doing new. Pl- so it, there was a lot more family drama with this dynamic, and then certainly the the continuing one with the Bridgertons and their struggle to deal and cope with not having uh, the the patriarch who who had passed away. And We get a little bit of uh, insight into that backstory, which is also delicious and so good. How um, Violet has to that it's a constant navigating for her. And, and as each child comes uh, comes of age to a certain point and, and, you know, teaching them and raising them, those are enormous challenges. And it's very layered. I mean, each character, Lady Danbury and how this has an impact on her with her mm. her former, you know, having a relationship with with the Mary character from before. Mm. So there's a lot of layers that really introduce new challenges for each of these characters.
3: You all had to maintain this world while also
1: making it
3: different.
5: We'll be right back.
1: Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition bombshell-escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
2: Welcome back to Bridgerton, the official podcast.
3: So one of the things I held on to from our last conversation last season was you talked about wanting to sink your teeth into this idea of longing and emotional turmoil. And I, with all the backstory that's happening this season, I wondered if that was something you found yourself gravitating to again.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I believe the longing and, and, what I call digging my teeth into that, it really becomes the mechanism, I think, of of this series and what uh, I think is what is pivotal to tapping into those emotions and how two people come together when there are numerous barriers and obstacles preventing them from doing so, whether it's uh, societal commentation on that or familial situations that prevent two people from coming together. And I think that's what that journey and that process and that exploration, certainly as a visual storyteller, is something I, I really look forward to and really finding those nuances, whether it's a touch of a hand, whether it's a, a glance across the room, whether it's you know exploring any kind of situation that physically tells that story of uh, two people who are fighting not to be together but want to be together, uh, or whatever the situation arises, the, the, the natural attraction that another couple might have. I, I think that is a, a very exciting moments to explore and and try out. And and we do that through, I have images, I have ideas. Uh, the actors have their ideas. Um, Chris will have some very specific thoughts about it. And then once we kind of get into the rehearsal process, we, we kind of, it, it truly does work as a collaboration so that the actors can make it organic and really kind of find a natural way to achieve what we're doing and and we oftentimes felt particularly in this season between uh, anthony and kate the numerous times that they come together and they're looking at one another what might seemingly be similar beats on the page uh, are really nuanced with what the previous one was and how there's a slight escalation between the previous moment what is new about this one uh, and that's that's really kind of thrilling as a director to be able to navigate and and build kind of that foundation, which gets us ultimately to where they end up.
3: Okay, so I will just be honest. Every time I saw Anthony and Kate together, I got very annoyed. Like I'm like, just do the thing. Just go in right. the corner of the library. Do what you got to do. Get it out. <laughs> and I just, but it was just so much, um, so much build up. Um, but I and I guess that is. Why the kiss?
5: It it is a tremendous buildup, and that's um, it's the bit of the tease, but I I, I say that in a light way because it has to be ground in story as to why they can't do it just yet or to what their respective inner conflicts are, and that's where Chris and I, uh, you know, being able to talk through these moments so that when we discuss a sequence where they are alone together and they find themselves in a moment what is different about this one what specifically are we trying to get to to get to the next beat uh and not just a stall but a real genuine what the character is going through in this moment and the decision making and the risks that are involved if they were allowed themselves
1: need i remind you sir if anyone other than your sister discovered us in the library that night, then we, too, would be obliged to
2: wed. Nothing happened in that library. Though would the two of us being obliged to marry be the outcome you desire? Well, of course not. Then let us both be glad we have avoided such an unthinkable fate.
5: I don't think he realizes it, but I think he's wrestling and fighting with that thing that ultimately starts to take root. The want creeping up from a very deep place that he's never shown or revealed before. His suppressing of that uh, and that revelation, that little window in that moment of that vulnerability is such a, it really kind of captures everyone when they see that moment. And I I, I thought he just performed that beautifully. That, that
3: moment. He did. And the two of you together, working together in his performance and the choices you made in camera movement, it was after the dinner, actually, and he's talking to Kate mm-hmm. and over one shoulder, he's like, you're the bane of my existence. And then it swings over to the other. I was like.
5: <laughs> That's exactly right. Look at you, Gabby.
3: Look at you, Gabby. Tom Verica, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
2: You are the bane
3: of my existence. The object of all my desires. That was really beautiful.
5: Oh, thanks. And that was again, how do we how do we shoot this scene? The two of them kind of batting heads, but yet escalating kind of their dilemma and their uh, accepting of their attraction towards one another and that inner battle, that inner conflict of duty and and wants and desires. and and so that was a very clear working with the choreography of our cameraman of when to sort of switch to the other side of that and playing this line that's constantly crossing into what I want and then know what I have to do. I remember we went handheld on that to bring that sort of that palpable tension that's existing between the two of them.
3: Yeah.
5: Uh, and That was such a fun, I mean, that was, I I specifically remember doing that scene and uh, we all just uh, felt very pleased when we came out of there achieving what, setting out what we wanted to do.
3: Did you go in there thinking, I want to do this and played around with it and got to the point of doing the handheld?
5: I knew going in, I wanted to do that handheld just because I knew what the stakes were in that moment, particularly coming off of the dinner table scene where there was so much pomp and circum you know, so much proper and, uh, you know, holes being punched into this formal world mm. uh, that when it became just the two of them, that I really wanted to show that sort of, you know, they're having a real heart to heart that that was in contrast to what the dinner table scene was. And then the, uh, them hiding in this, this room off the hallway, uh, bringing that element of danger and potential to just grab each other right then in that moment and get it on, you know? (laughs) So I always wanted that sort of that possibility to exist, uh, as they, and we played with how close they came together and how, you know, but so I knew, you know, we, we, again, we worked it out with the actors when these moments, and maybe this happens slightly a bit later, maybe you step in a little bit sooner, and we really play with that uncomfortableness of being so close to one another. And, you know, I knew how we were going to approach it going in, but you have to iron out those moments uh, so that everyone kind of uh, embodies them and, and gets behind gets behind them.
3: Your visual storytelling is the thing that takes me out of, like, wanting to shake them both <laughs> It's those visual moments though that that allow me to be like okay I can I can let this this will they won't they play out a little longer. Well
5: that's good because that's the challenge as to how you hold that off that people are going to be like oh just enough how do you hold it off and, and how do you build hold it up it? and tent it up and and uh yeah and that's just a challenge it's just a challenge for us to not just it's not just sort of saying all right we'll just get a close up of you here and a close up of you here because then it is going to feel like every other scene that's where Again, I say we elevate that intimacy, whether it's getting slightly right. closer and much more impressionistic, because we're getting more into the psychology of of Kate and Anthony, and, and if it's told from one of their perspective, what are they seeing in the other, and how do we highlight those moments? This couple has their their own journey, and their own path, and how they get there. And she, you know, such a breath of fresh air—the way what this character brings and the strength. And the pillar that she comes in with and and how fiery she is and kind of neglecting her, her own needs uh, that slowly start to chip away. Uh, so that, yes, yeah, she's carrying all of that. So it's really it, it it's a wonderfully complex struggle and in, inner conflict as to you know, protection of her sister being supportive, the family plan, but having to deal with feelings that she's never dealt before about a particular person who frustrates the hell out of her.
4: (laughs) It wasn't difficult to portray that enemies kind of trope, that whole, you know, you just grind my gears, you vex me kind of thing. Not because I, it came from a place of animosity. I think that those strong feelings have to come from somewhere. And that was, you know, that, that magnetism that they have for one another. And I, I think it's, I don't know if it's because they can't have each other Um, and because they've never met anyone like that in their lives before it was a joy it was amazing it was effortless to be honest though there were many times we had conversations with each other and rehearsals discussing ideas of the scene that we might be doing I think a lot of it was unspoken as well and it was effortless to kind of work with each other I think we just kind of think in that sense so
5: and the actors, as they kind of work through that process as well, it's fun being able to explore and try, you know, we will have takes where we may push it a little bit more and then dial it back. And then certainly when we get in the editing room, we can calibrate uh, a little bit of what where we know it's going, what we already have. Uh, Maybe dialing down a little bit here, but dialing it up there. You know, we really have um, kind of the blessing to be be able to have explored all those roads to be able to play and, 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 you know, really craft those situations.
4: For example, when she first has encounters with Anthony, she doesn't like following the rules of following a herd anyway. And I think she is a very worldly, experienced woman. And she has got very admirable values in life. She kept, She comes from a very complicated background. She, she knows that the, the best values in life are love and a supportive family and non-materialistic things. And I think when she first meets the Viscount, I think she judges him. And she's like, oh, well, you're very superficial and materialistic. And you know what you're doing. And you're very charming and all of these things. And I don't want to be like the other women that just fall at your knees. Um and I, but I think she's also maybe denying a little bit to herself that she is falling at her knees for him a bit. And that's why, at the start, she doesn't really express how she's feeling to anyone. And she, she very, she, you notice, she doesn't express to anyone really, only in small amounts, her opinion of him or how she feels. And any reaction she has to him is kind of to herself because I think she's also in part denying it to herself as well but all of those things were influenced because it was I would take a scene and be like well this is a woman that has her uh, you know very strong stakes at hand and that is to take care of her family and it's almost like an act of survival And a woman on a mission like that isn't going to meet a Viscount and just fall at her knees immediately. It's going to take a lot. So, yeah, I think there were many moments before, I think, in scenes. But for me, it was that continuous heartbeat of like, you know, putting family first and that influenced my choices with her in a scene. And I think especially at the beginning, that really influenced everything that Kate did in a scene and how she reacted. Does Anthony have a willingness
3: to grow technically?
5: I don't think he's aware of it. I think he's, uh, again, I think duty and honor are the things that that drive him. It's all he's ever known, mm-hmm. providing certainly filling in for, uh, uh, for his father and and uh, serving that role in the family is is his duty. You know, someone may disagree, but I don't think he has dreams in the sense that what are his wants and his needs. Mm-hmm. I think it really is just just about filling out what uh, is is being the provider, and that's he's kind of locked in that mode until he's. I think somebody just crosses his path that he just cannot take his attention off of and it forces him to deal in a way. And and, um, as it gets revealed later in the season to deal with those things of of who he is and what are, what are his wants as an individual? Yeah. There's just a knee jerk and and a societal norm about how one behaves and and really kind of protection of, of family members and particularly this family coming into a new world uh, with, with a, you know a mission in place. Both of them being elder siblings, they they have shared responsibility that, that kind of puts them on common ground that is really focused on other family members and not so much what they're going through because they're so used to kind of doing what their duty is. And it's in that, I think, finding themselves in these situations and finding these moments between their responsibilities is, and having that slowly sort of evolve and see what it unveils is, uh, is, is kind of the aspect of it.
4: I think Kate, she she's had a complicated history, and much like Anthony has had a lot of responsibility and pressure put on her shoulders to take care of her family. It's kind of twofold. There's her having this strong love for her stepsister and her stepmom, and take care of the family and that makes her feel good but also I think she's also probably running away from her own problems and dealing with her own traumas or issues Um, and I think all of that kind of brings her to the end of the scale where she's not really taking care of herself and thinking honestly what it is that she wants. I think that affects her decisions quite a lot and um, I think it then goes a little bit too far and she ends up hurting the people that she only meant to protect in the end. If I could give advice to Kate, if I was her friend, it would be, you know, slow down. Lady Danbury does it so brilliantly at the beginning. The amount of times she lectures her and warns her, and she's like, you know, you're you, you're going to take this too far if you don't stop and listen to yourself about be honest with yourself and therefore be honest with the people around you. You know, Kate being quite stubborn as she is, she only really realizes what lady Danbury was advising all along until maybe when it all peaks a little bit.
3: Oh my goodness. You just reminded me about all the Danbury and Kate scenes. That is, (laughs) there was so much that happened with your character. Oh my goodness. My absolute favorite moment is the moment when she tells you that you can't be her, that she has Mm. lived and she has loved. Mm -hmm. That is my favorite. Do you have a favorite moment between Kate and Danbury?
4: I loved, um, there's a scene, I think it's an episode four, where Kate's up, she can't sleep, and she's on the balcony at Aubrey Hall, and Lady Danbury comes, and she's like, what are you doing up? Mm. It's kind of like that peak moment where she's like, you, you really need to be honest with yourself right now because I sense bad news coming if you let this go too far. I love that scene with her.
1: You must tell her how you feel. About my dislike for the Viscount.
2: About
4: whatever it is you feel. I also love the scene in episode one where Kate's kind of caught red-handed riding alone without a maid and um, being kind of dishonest with her intentions of coming to London. And Lady Danbury has the letter from the Mm Sheffields, kind of like Kate's caught red-handed. And that's kind of what brings them two together. It's very unexpected. I don't think Kate expected that at all, with this journey to London. I think almost in an arrogant way, she came into London thinking, this will be easy. I'm Kate. I'm always in charge of my family. I'm very smart. I'm always right. I'm very, you know, calculated with all these things and no one's going to stop me. And she's, and then she kind of meets her match with Lady Danbury and she's like, whoa, OK, this is going to be a bit more difficult
3: than I thought it was. Simone told a lot of story through her eyes, I felt. and yes, she does. Yep. I mean, like she, her eyes just said it all. and I just felt like by episode five and six, she um was a little more bold in not really um holding back how she was feeling. I mean, as she was coming down the aisle with the bouquet, mm-hmm. when she dropped the bangles at the altar. right? Yeah, it was just very, very bold, very bold. I uh, I was wondering why you had Simone looking into the mirror at herself during the holly ceremony. And was that written in the script mm-hmm. or was that something you and Simone worked on together? And I mean, I have my ideas about what she was doing there, but why did you guys do that?
5: Oh good. I really want to hear what your uh what your idea was, and hopefully it, it well let's hear. Yeah, let's hear what your your feeling was. Well,
3: about. I was wondering if she was trying to live vicariously through Edwina, like if she was just trying to see Mm -hmm. herself, like almost, she's going through the motions with her sister, but she's also at the same time putting herself in her sister's shoes.
5: It is. I think you're absolutely right. I think she just, she's caught up in the moment of caring for her, you know, calming her sister's nerves and- and talking her through, and obviously dealing with um, her in, internal struggle about how she feels about Anthony. And I think it's just a moment where she kind of catches herself in the mirror, and by seeing the paste on her cheek, you're absolutely right. I think there's that moment of being caught of, whoa, what if this was my the ceremony for me? What if I was in her shoes, and I kind of am envious or kind of want to be in that position? Then she shakes herself out of that moment. Uh, but that's it's all those things. I mean, there's a lot... In that moment, uh, not a vanity thing, but but kind of really the mirror reflecting back as to, uh, you know, how she kind of wishes it, it would be her in that moment. That's kind of a, you know, has this has this moment passed her by in her life.
3: As we're talking about it, I realize that's such a very raw... Yeah. Like one of those things you would never tell anybody that you're doing or feeling. Like that's so raw, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we're seeing and that. And it's a private, a quick private moment
5: that no one else catches, but it's really just a a little bit of, a, you know, it's that moment in time that just really pops for that individual who happened to catch her, an image of herself and how she looked uh, a little bit of a sobering, sobering moment.
1: Looks can be powerful Bon. But also fleeting, displays of mere passion, perhaps nothing more. So the viscount feels little passion for me. Of course not. <laughs> what I mean to say is that true love is something else entirely.
5: You know, jumping in, you know, with the haldi ceremony, the, the exploration yes. of that—that that was such. A, that was such a freshness. So we did quite a bit of research and had some advisors, and, and of course our actors had. Various connections to their own versions of holiday ceremony that was modern day that had some elements of, of of historical nature. So we we rehearsed that and talked through exactly what that was going to look like and and what the feeling was that we wanted and you know and where we took certain liberties that needed to be for for story points. Uh, that didn't really kind of go too far off, but really kind of kept it with this bond of these two daughters and mother, yeah. uh, and really wanted to make it a very personal experience for the three of them. And so that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was something very new. I had I had uh, never filmed something you know like a holiday ceremony before. So
4: the holiday ceremony, yeah. So um, I I remember watching it, and it it, it just a it looked so beautiful. And I love that there's a little cutaway of meat involved in it all. Um, And I remember doing that scene with Tom and we were doing the kind of initial shots, the establishing shots, mixing the mabu, which is like dough, um, which is what they're spreading on each other. And I was talking to Tom and I was like, oh, this is how my mum used to do it. And she would kind of get the flour and then put it in, make a little well and mix it from the well and stuff. And Tom was like, do that. Like, I love that it's personal to you. I mean, gosh, even saying that out loud, like, I never really thought I'd be on a set doing that. So it's incredible. Even saying out loud, it it makes me emotional. I never really thought that I'd ever be speaking about it or that would be a part of my work on a period drama. And, you know, I've said this in many interviews, actually. I learned a lot from Taritha. I think she um, really grew up in a very enriched Indian culture
5: that gives it the the authenticity of something very different that's a, a you know a different part of the world and how these these two tracks are coming you know clashing especially as we intercut that with the uh the boys bachelor get together
3: yeah <laughs> i noticed uh the your choices in camera movement there as well it was originally, they were just two separate scenes it was one whole scene and
5: then another whole scene, and I pitched to Chris about – I wanted to show him a version where I intercut it because I thought it might have a, a nice dynamic going back and forth. And he right away really, uh, really responded to that. So that I, I was quite uh, – I, I just had a very specific idea once I got into filming these to be able to intercut these to really kind of echo and drive home what's happening both with Kate and Anthony in their respective environments – uh, and the internal dialogue that becomes a thread through mm. that sequence. So uh, he really, uh, he responded right away and loved it. So I'm, I'm happy that that stayed.
1: I do wonder whether this blessing would be greater if the Viscount were here to participate as well. <laughs> oh, I am certain Lord Bridgerton has his own wedding
4: traditions to perform.
2: To besting her. here, here, You do mm. love gloating about your victories,
5: do you not, brother?
3: Yeah, it, it felt like two worlds literally...
5: Two trains, kind of two yeah. trains is a better running. Yeah, running. It parallel, really yeah. did.
3: It really did. And and the the shooting style of both of those, um, separate rooms, so to say, they just had like this mm-hmm. swaying feel that felt like um, excitement. Also, a little bit of drunkenness. I wondered how how high the proof was. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
5: <laughs> there was a uh, we experimented. There was some that was a little bit more uh, uh, more off 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 kilter than we were. But, yeah, we found a place that that felt right into that world. And then a little bit of more of the classic movement uh, in the holiday ceremony world. So that was that was definitely designed. Yeah. We'll be back after the break.
1: Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret.
6: Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: Welcome back. Let's return to the conversation with Simone Ashley and Tom Verica.
3: Could you talk to us about... Filming the dinner scene, I'll say it's like one of my top three moments. I had to rewind it and watch it again and again and again. Um, I loved it so much. It like it popped off. Yeah,
4: it popped off. (laughs) Um, Emotionally kind of entering for that scene, I made a choice that Kate was just sick with anxiety because it's a, a secret that she's been keeping for so long and she's about to get found out. And it's kind of the worst nightmare for her for these people to be there in person having dinner with her. She doesn't want Edwina to find out because there's her marriage at stake, and then the inheritance scheme at at stake, and her family's survival at stake. She doesn't want Anthony to find out because she loves him and she cares for him, and she doesn't want you know that to jeopardize you know what whatever she has with him or like could have with him. Um, and and that scene it was incredible because it's like, you know, shots are fired in so many different directions where Edwina finding out lady Mary's incredible speech where she finally stands up to her parents and finally uses her voice. And it's like, that is
3: it. And you could see in your performance, you're like, Oh my gosh, this isn't happening, but Oh my gosh, this is happening. Like you're so proud of her
4: in that moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> That's something that resonated with me. Like seeing someone who maybe was once bullied finally stand up to the bullies, whether that be like her parents or anyone. Like in any experience that I, I can kind of think of, you, it's it's incredible. Like to see that that um, growth of someone finally be like, you know what, I'm going to stand up for myself. Um, and I think Kate really felt that with Lady Mary. Um, Seeing this woman who Kate felt she had to take care of and to see her then suddenly stand up and speak so proudly and with such confidence and fearlessness is everything that Kate's about.
2: I have two daughters with whom you have had every opportunity to form a connection, but the choice to shun us was yours alone.
4: I beg your... And do not think I took it lightly.
3: What shook me was the introduction to the Sheffields, Mm-hmm. lucky you to get to play in that sandbox. What went through your mind when you first read that?:
5: You know, it could be very kind of surface and and very kind of one note if if not, kind of give nuance because it is written quite harsh and quite biting. Uh, so we really I really worked with that actor who's uh, she was wonderful. I thought she is to to put a little bit more smile and that sort of Right. Keep that societal front. Let the words roll out as they were, but but put a, put a little sugar on each of it all because that that's what's going to cut in more yes. when people are looking at each other like, did she just say that? Yes, <laughs> so, I had to rewind.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly,
5: and that's what what you wanted because if someone, I think initially she was she was very angry and going after, and then it just becomes it just becomes a talking head at that point. You're not really receiving, and you just you immediately know who that person is if it's that. So. Finding those moments where she kind of lays into her own daughter uh, and then her, her granddaughter. Yeah. But also being, you know, being kind or, or, you know, being specific about when she looks to her husband uh, in the thinly veiled sort of really digging thing that doesn't need to be looking at someone. Those are things that we we kind of really uh, wanted to feed to the uncomfortableness of what that dinner table and how it's landing on everyone else and them looking around Another ones like, what is going on here? And the fact that she was uh, in real life, I think, think she's four foot 11, four foot 10. I loved because she was, she was much shorter than everyone, but she had all the she was, we- you know, wielding all the power. Seriously. You know, or, or so she thought. Yes.
3: I wondered how many takes it took to do that dinner table scene. That's like.
5: Yeah, well, those those it's a lot of coverage. So we're we're doing that for most of one day that mm. uh, that takes because you're you have to move around a table, but you know, and you're 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 crafting and, and working on different performances depending on who you're working wow. with. Wow, but uh, it's just the sheer nature of that many people around a table that's going to take numerous hours. Yeah,
3: what I think a lot of fans love about Shondaland is we love the really super competent characters, witty characters, and just that the the writing the dialogue is can be killer at this dinner table scene of it was very biting there was a lot of unspoken stuff happening a lot of looks and glances and um
5: yeah i and that's they're all very deliberate again uh many if not all of those looks are scripted chris chris has specific moments that he wants. Oh, yeah. How a particular piece of dialogue is being received and what that means when one person looks to another, whether whether it's uh, Lady Danbury and Lady Violet trying to sort of uh, keep it from getting, you know, getting into that place of a family fight uh, and trying, you know, distracting on the uh, – when they talk about the pies and the jam or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but, um, <laughs> but certainly the discovery as it gets on in each, each individual character of how that hits them, you know, Violet's look to Anthony, did Anthony's look to Kate? What did she know? What's going on here? His how he presents himself to Edwina who's sitting right next to him. So we were very clear about obviously where they sat on the table and how it would lay out. And then of course, you know, Kate through her eyes, Simone's eyes, really trying to keep, uh, keep a lid on this coming out and, and the deal that, that she has spoken with them prior to this. Um, her fearing not only how it's going to land uh, with with Anthony, but really her sister and the family and how this is going to fracture.
6: Yeah.
4: Uh, and I think, you know, when, when Anthony kind of listens to it all and... I just remember feeling that sense of like, you know, innocence, like I'm innocent. I didn't mean this in a deviant way. They're not schemes. You have to believe me. And I think she definitely keeps her cards close to her chest. There's many different factors to that kind of personality trait. But I think it also came from a place of maybe Kate not holding on to her microphone and being like, this is me and this is how I feel and this is what I want.
3: Do you feel like you ended up doing that as you poured yourself into the role of Kate
4: by any chance? I think maybe I tend to do that as well sometimes. And one of the amazing things about this past year has been developing confidence and just owning myself a bit more. And, um, I I think it's, it's really fun. And actually I encourage my peers around me to do the same and especially women around me to do the same. Um, Mm. I, I I'm I'm tired of a woman being confident and happy and successful and ambitious and opinionated to have a negative connotation. I think it should be celebrated.
3: Mm-hmm. It's very very much a chandelier characteristic. I think in female characters. That's why I'm a diehard Olivia Pope fan. Like there are reasons to be disgusted with her. But it's because she's human and there are just as many reasons, if not more, to love her. I love characters like that. And I feel like Kate Sharma falls into that category. She's human, you know?
4: She's a bit of an extremist. Um, And I think maybe towards the end of the story, she finds more of a balance between are you being reserved and keeping your cards close to your chest, or are you actually running away and not owning what you want? Are you being honest with yourself? Are you being dishonest with yourself and therefore being dishonest with the people around you? Is that, do you hate him or do you love him? Like it's all that back and forth, back and forth. And I think towards the end of the story, we kind of she finds that middle ground. But yeah, I think that's what I really love about playing her. She she doesn't she's very go hard or go home. She doesn't do things half heartedly.
3: That's it right there. It's not like I am trying to be meek and mild. It's like I don't I don't have to prove anything to you. I am who I am. It is what it is. You just said something that um kind of opened up my understanding of this season too. I keep harping on oh all these backstories and going behind the facade to really see what people's intentions and motivations are, but the willingness to grow. That's maybe one of the things I didn't, couldn't put my finger on, but it's yeah, there is so even Eloise and Theo, there's a willingness to grow there.
5: They're butting up against society, which is telling them, you know, don't rock the boat. And it may not be a conscious effort to want to rock the boat, but I think it's just it is it is in who they are, and I think they cannot help themselves. That uh, is a constant discovery and revelation as to who they are as individuals who have minds of their own.
4: I think I did an interview with Teresa when we wrapped and I was like, let's just let women have it. Like I've experienced a lot of times people will have an, people are allowed to have their opinion, but people always have to say something negative, especially about a successful woman. And it's like, just let her have it. Just let her have her moment. Well,
3: thank you so much, Simone, for spending time with us. And letting us into your head and telling us about how you developed Kate. Thanks, of
4: course. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you for joining us on this deep dive into the world of Bridgerton. Next week, Tom Verica returns and Edwina herself, Sharithra Chandran, joins to break down episode 206. If you're enjoying this show, please subscribe, share with your friends, rate, or leave us a review. And if you haven't finished binging Bridgerton on Netflix, please go do that so you can enjoy all of the juicy spoilers with us. Bridgerton, the official podcast is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Vince Dijoni. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you subscribe to your favorite shows.
3: Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success.
2: From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.